into turn up. It's a great drink for summer. Very fruity and light. Yes. Um, and with three kinds of alcohol, it's probably <laughs> going to get you really fucked up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Do you want to explain the topic? Sure. Uh, yeah. Welcome to the show. So today we're talking about BDSM, which there are a lot of public misconceptions surrounding it. Um, you know, it's connected with like slave owners and Nazis who you know, your average mentally competent person is not going to be like, yeah, go team. Uh, <laughs> 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 but uh, today we hope to <laughs> go team. Uh, but today we hope to uh, <laughs> dispel some of those misconceptions. Uh, so let's start with the definition of BDSM or a definition of BDSM. So I've seen it before where they separate it out into the BD, the DS, and the SM mm -hmm. for three separate concepts. So BD would be bondage and discipline. DS would be dominant submission, and SM would be sadism and masochism. And BDSM is kind of a blanket term that can include a lot of different activities, and it really varies with every couple that you talk to. Uh, it's not all about torture or pain, and it can be an extremely intimate and loving experience. And just because you like one aspect of BDSM doesn't mean that you're subject to all of them. Correct. Like it. If you like humiliation, you may not like the physical pain and vice versa. Right. I mean, you might be a complete uh, masochist and love getting, you know, ex ex uh, receiving extreme amounts of pain, but, you know, have a phobia of being tied up. <laughs> so, yeah. so it's like, um, and yeah, there, there's all kinds of different things that go with it. Communication is key when it comes to BDSM. <laughs> as with everything, everything. Uh, which is a great segue into my next topic which is safe practices safety first uh, so with BDSM let, let's start with consent uh, <laughs> so <laughs> safe, sane, consensual uh, yes that is a very yeah. common uh, phrase used yeah. within the BDSM yeah. community um, which the consent part of that is that y you can't just like start doing this without discussing it. <laughs> right. <laughs> like you, you actually need to like sit down and have an open, honest dialogue with your partner about what they're okay with exploring or doing and what their hard nose are. So let's talk about hard nose. Okay. Hard nose are like never ever like things that there's no exception. You would never, ever do them. And then there are soft no's, which are things that you don't necessarily like or think that you're going to like, but you're flexible on them. Willing like to try, try them it. Under the right circumstances. Right. Usually it's something where like you'll try it, but it's a very like a watered down version of whatever it is you, you want to try out. So, yeah. um, you know, if you're one, if you're not really into like extreme spanking, you know, you might just take a couple pats from different like items and see how it goes. And you can kind of, and then you'll like something like that. You'd like ramp up slowly and be like, Oh, Nope, that's, uh, that's too much. You know, bring it back down. You know, use your safe word. 
Yeah. <laughs> or your or your uh, your yellow word too. Oh, like green yeah. light. There's like green, which means keep going. There's yellow, which means like slow down or go softer. Then red is like stop. So that's a yeah. very common color sequence. So yeah, there there's like safe words and slow words, um, which. These are typically going to be words that you wouldn't use in a sexual context. Um, yeah, lots of people like to use like the traffic light sort of. Yeah, uh, the system. <laughs> like yellow, it. yellow means slow down, and red means stop. Uh, or other people just use like insane things like pineapples, my slow down word, and aardvark is my stop yeah. word. You know, <laughs> like uh, and your safe word can't be no or stop or anything <laughs> sexual. Or, you know. Yeah, really something that, like you wouldn't normally say in a sexual situation. Uh, because there's, there's a lot of differences in people's boundaries and right. you really need to respect them. So a, wor- a word that's a safe word that's a stop word um, means that you have to stop whatever you're doing. Like, and really get out of the scene and check in. I think it was in the book BDSM 101. uh, This guy was talking about this sub that he knew and her safe word was lawsuit. Lawsuit? (laughs) (laughs) That is is a great... She was at a... um, at a like uh, a public dungeon, like it's you know some kind of like uh, like um, like a uh, BDSM party, and so they had like the dungeon master there, and she was like, "Yeah, my my safe word's lawsuit." <laughs> that is a really great way to shut down exactly yeah, it's what's like... happening. <laughs> lawsuit. Yeah. Um, yeah, but but then there's also slow down words, which is where you don't necessarily want everything to stop, but you can still check in. You know, like a slow down word is like, that's a little too hard. I want you to go softer or, or something like that, yeah. you know. Um, also, there's a, you can use hand signals, too. Oh, yes. Yeah. So, like, in situations where you or your partner may be gagged, you wouldn't be able to say a safe word. So then you would have a nonverbal cue to stop, like, snapping your fingers or blinking or, like, yeah. blinking five times or whatever it is. Right. <laughs> Unless but you're yes. blindfolded, then you have to come up with something else. Um, uh, this is why like words like banana are usually used because it's easy to recognize through a gag yeah so i've I've also heard of people having like humming sounds too (laughs) whatever works whatever whatever way you can communicate you know (laughs) but you're gonna want to practice that being gagged first so you know that you can actually make that sound Well, that's why the training gags are really well, like work really well, because they're a lot smaller and they have holes in them, so they're 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 not. Like, oh, is is that what that is? The training gag is the one that has like the wiffle ball. Yeah. In it? So basically, um, do we, we want to go ahead and get into toys, or do you want to talk about some of your stuff first? <laughs> <laughs> I mean. Uh, we get distracted on this show uh, all the time. <laughs> so yeah, the 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 um the wiffle ball one, the which we I actually have one of those. Um, it's generally a little bit smaller, so it's a little more comfortable, and also it's easier to breathe because it has holes in it. 
and it's also easier to communicate yeah. with. So like the like the really like thick rubber, like really big ball gags, that would be something you would want to like work your way up to. That's not something you're gonna start off with. Like you're not gonna uh. you're not it's it's like using a butt plug. You're not gonna go for like, you know, the biggest one you could possibly find if you've never used one before. So Generally, if you see people with like they're really big, like especially in like BDSM porn, they'll see, they'll use like those like almost comically large gags. Um, <laughs> those are like professional BDSM models, like you know, <laughs> like they're used to it. They know how to they know how to wear it. They know how to handle it. They know how to you know use it w- like without straining their mouths or whatever like that. Aww. So the little plastic like wiffle ball ones are generally used for that's usually like your first step into a ball gag. I see. Um, I did not know that. I have the training wheels, wiffle ball, ball gag mm-hmm. at, <laughs> that I don't really use, but I think it came in like a kit of like yeah, beginner normally, BDSM yeah, stuff. Yeah, normally if you buy like the one, like the little, yeah, like those little kits or something like that where it has like everything, usually a ball gag and like a blindfold is included. And usually the ball gag is very, very simplistic. Uh, the ball is usually pretty small. So it's it's not really. I mean, some people are absolutely terrified of ball gags and would never use one anyway. But this is something that's not going to be like, oh my god, I don't want to use that. What the heck? <laughs> I just thought it was because they were cheaper to make. <laughs> that too, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure, yeah. It's because it's cheaper than using like either silicone or even like just hard rubber. <laughs> so where were we? <laughs> All right, so back back on to the topics that we were discussing before. Oh, safety. Before. We're on safety. S- safety. Uh, yeah, so know your partner beforehand. Like, I would never do these activities with somebody that I haven't at least slept with a few times and had some conversations with where I know that like I can really trust them. Right. Because I feel like this is an activity that's kind of built on trust and you want to know that you're going to be taken care of with whoever you choose to well, be like, in these for me, situations with. Like uh, when I introduce like effect, when you BDSM gets introduced with my partner, it's, it's usually a conversation that we had beforehand and it's not like, Oh, Hey, look, we're just going to use this. It's like, okay. Um, what, what do you want to use tonight? You know, what, what do you want to try out? So, it's it's never just sprung on. Yeah, definitely don't like spring those things up in the spur of the, <laughs> in the spur of the moment. <laughs> Unless it's someone you know and you trust and you've been with for a while or whatever like that, then you can kind of throw in those surprises. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so another thing is to go slowly. You don't want to like bring out all the like dungeon accoutrement like the first time. <laughs> You want to take take some baby steps to see like what the other person likes, what you like. Um, also, never ever say, "Oh, just do whatever," or "I'm no, I'm, I'm I'm game for whatever you want to do," or you know, "I no, give me your worst." That, These are the worst things you can say. That is not an acceptable response, and I would say if you get that response. Then you need to come out with a list yeah. <laughs> and be like, all right, here's a list of all the things that I might try. I was, you tell me if you're okay with these or not. Um, I was watching a video of uh, this professional dom. Uh, she was talking about it and um, she had a sub who said that to her. So she found the the biggest dildo that she had. 
like a three foot long whatever and she was like okay you said whatever and the the lady was like no 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 it's a man she's like okay well next time you know don't (laughs) say i'm down for whatever (laughs) or do your worst you are not down for whatever (laughs) you're you're not ready for what i can dish out (laughs) (laughs) all right so uh part of that whole safe sane (laughs) consensual (laughs) phrase (laughs) consensual phrase uh, the sane part. Stay fucking sober, please. <laughs> yeah. If you're going to be doing this. Especially um, if you're doing any, like, really complicated stuff. Um, especially involving ropes. If you're doing, like, any, like, rope play or not play or tying up with, like, ropes or anything like that. Like, if you're drunk, you're not going to know that, you know, your arm is getting no circulation. <laughs> yeah. Like, you may not yeah. realize it. Or, you know, you may not... Um, or being um on top and you're the dom and you're tying shit up and you're drunk or on something like you may not even realize what you're what you've done wrong (laughs) yeah so uh that can make things super dangerous for both people involved so statistically if you have a blood alcohol content of 0.08 which is like the legally drunk level around three or four drinks you have a significant reduction in pain intensity and an increase in a pain threshold and increasing your blood alcohol level also augments these levels even further so if you're like fucking drunk out of your mind you're not gonna know when your body is telling you to stop and then like things might be okay that night but then for like a week or two later you're gonna be feeling it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because uh, you probably won't be drunk for a straight two weeks after <laughs> after that. Right. And uh, and you really don't want to like injure your partner or give them any sort of permanent damage. Um so like for example, when you're spanking someone, you definitely want to avoid the hips, the spine, the sides of the back where the kidneys are cuz that can give you organ damage. Like you want to hit the fleshy parts, cup your hand while you're spanking, but yeah. <laughs> um, even with the chest, like you want to go, like be careful where you hit on the chest. You don't want to go too high. You definitely don't want to hit like the collarbones. You don't want to hit the throat or any that you know anything like that. So you should really know like your target zones. Yeah. Um, and if you're going to be involved in the more intense parts of this, you really need to have a knowledge of what you're doing. Like do things like hair pulling. You need to do it, like, near the base of the scalp so you don't, like, rip all their hair out. Right. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of it's common common sense, too, but... Well, I mean, in a way, yes. But but at the same time, too, it's like... If this is somebody that's, like, never done this before, because, uh, you know, like... Yeah, they're like... (laughs) I don't know if you know this... (laughs) <laughs> I don't know if you know this, but people don't like to talk about sex so much societally, right. <laughs> which is kind of why we have this show. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so there's there's that. Uh, and people are like, I'm just going to try this and not even tell, you know, what they're like, what they're going to do. So there's that, too. Also, when you're restraining someone, you really need to pay attention to, like, what's happening to them. Like, initially, you want to make sure that you can at least put a finger or two between the restraints and the person. 
um, so that they're not too tight. And then you really need to monitor and make sure that their extremities aren't like turning blue. <laughs> right. And, and if they are or they're turning like really red, you, you want to loosen the restraints or like let the person out and check in. Yes. Uh, let's see. There's also, um, especially if you're the top, like if you're if you're if you're the if you're the dom or top whatever term you want to use master mistress whatever it's like it's your job to also making sure that everything is going smoothly and going correctly because sometimes like especially if you're if it's like really into it the sub might just be completely off in like outer space and not even realize like what all is going on so you really have to like be aware and be paying attention to what you're doing and, uh, and like what they're what's going on with them too and that's a big cue yeah. communication. So that's um safety. So, so that's yeah, safe, sane, consensual. Um I'm going to briefly talk about the neuroscience of sex and why people want to do this. <laughs> Cuz a lot of people are like why would anybody engage in this sort of thing? Pain is bad. Ah. Um but if you look at it scientifically, it actually makes a lot of sense. In the brain, when you're experiencing pleasure, uh, the brain releases a neurotransmitter known as dopamine and the nucleus accumbens. I won't get too scientific on this, but it's a cluster of nerve cells lying um, in the cerebral cortex, part of the basal ganglia, if you're into neuroscience. But uh, this area of the brain is the same area of the brain that reacts when you have sex or have food or do drugs. And studies also show that this area actively releases dopamine when you experience pain, both physical and emotional. And you can have an MRI and it'll tell you like whether or not that part of the brain is lighting up. And this is actually like a future sort of thing that they're thinking about doing is doing MRIs to um, use in things like workers comp. And when people claim they have chronic pain conditions to abstain, abstain prescription pain medications. Uh, so they're thinking about like doing an MRI to see if that part of the brain lights up to see if you're telling the truth or not on whether you're really in pain. Um, which obviously that is not part of the law right now, but that is kind of where medical science is headed at this point. Interesting. Yeah. And there's also this theory known as benign masochism, which is a distinctly human condition in which we choose to engage in things that are frightening or painful, but ultimately we know they're not going to have long-term effects. Like it's the same reason that people enjoy eating spicy foods and riding roller coasters. Seeing horror movies, going to haunted houses, all that stuff. Yeah, like you get that same thrill and rush of endorphins, but you know that like at the end of the day you're going to be okay. So segueing out neuroscience into completely left field, um, we're, we're like... When did you start getting into, like, if you've ever gotten to BDSM, like, when did you start getting into it? Or, you know, when did you start start fiddling around with it or whatever, how you want to say it? I'd come across it a few times as a adolescent where I read the Anne Rice, like, series. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I Which was very kind of BDSM spanking heavy. I mean, they had, sort of. they had toned down... Um, uh, interview with the vampire. 
for the movie. <laughs> yeah, like Anne Rice, her stuff is pretty erotic. But uh, anyway, I read continue. a lot of that. Um, and I also read a book called The Devil and Miss Jones. The book is very erotic. I remember watching the movie later on, going like, "There was so much that they left out of the book," <laughs> and it's a pretty, it's a pretty small book. So. Yeah. <laughs> so there were a lot of themes in that, and I. I remember it being kind of crazy, but it's essentially about this woman who like dies a virgin. She actually kills herself, um, but she dies a virgin and she's thinking back on her life of like all the relationships that like ended because she refused to sleep with these guys. And then she goes to like the gates of heaven or whatever. And they're like, well, you never ever sinned in your life, but you did kill yourself. So we're going to have to send you to hell. But because you were so good, we're going to give you like one thing, <laughs> like one wish. What do you want? And she's like, I want to live a life full of sin. So they like send her back to earth to like fuck as many people as she can before <laughs> she goes to hell is pretty much what this is. Wow. And, uh, and they don't, send her back to earth unprepared she has like a teacher in purgatory that like teaches her about herself and like what sh she likes and he's kind of like the dom in this where he's like bend over and stick this in your ass you know <laughs> <laughs> it was actually 1973 because i just looked it up okay um 1973 is when they released this movie and it starred harry reams which he was like a huge porn guy. He was in like Deep Throat and a bunch of porn films back in in the golden age of porn. Um, yeah, directed by Gerard oh, Damiano. Yeah, I pulled it up. <laughs> Starring Georgina Spelvin, which I oh, love her. Sequels. By the way, they've won um, episode two, three, four, five, six, seven, oh, eight, they've, nine. They've done a bunch. <laughs> There's a ton of these movies. They've done a bunch of remakes. I know I at least own three versions of this. <laughs> well, there's there's six... like the original 1970s version. And then I own um, the one that they semi-recently made with Jenna Jameson in it. And then there's another version that was directed by Gregory Dark, who is like the David Lynch of porn <laughs> <laughs> directors. Like, off the fucking wall. <laughs> wow. Interesting. Yeah. But anywho, so that was kind of like my sort of inter introduction into BDSM. Gotcha. And I, I always had a, a curiosity for kind of anything that had to do with sex or sexual deviance. Um, <laughs> I don't know when I was actually ever actually inter properly introduced to BDSM. I just remember like, even as a kid, like like being turned on by like fucking like Daphne being kidnapped and like Scooby-Doo. <laughs> so like I'm always like a fascination with like bondage and all that shit. So like I don't know what like the callism was or whatever that but for me I just know I just kind of always kind of lean towards that. Science is kind of still out on well, yeah, why? On what exactly causes fetishes because 
we don't monitor people that fucking closely. Right. And they say that it usually develops like in during childhood because of something that happened. Like, um, there's an example that's used in a lot of textbooks on sexuality where they talk about like a young boy who's like being punished for something. So he's over his mother's knee and she's spanking him and his like penis rubs against her leg and he gets an erection. And then he just suddenly associates like punishment with sexual scenarios. That sounds very uh, Freudish. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Freud was a great sexual psychologist. I mean, fucking crazy person, yeah. but he definitely contributed a lot to the field of sexual psychology. Um, now, I'd like to give a little bit of a history lesson. <laughs> <laughs> history of BDSM. <laughs> the history of BDSM. Uh, this is a very <laughs> abridged history. There's a lot, yeah. There's been evidence of BDSM-like activities in almost every culture throughout history. Uh, like, some of the earliest religions like that predate the most modern religions. There was this goddess, I think her name is... Inanna, Inanna, I don't know how you pronounce her name, but she was this goddess who like whipped her worshippers into a sexual frenzy of orgies, <laughs> <laughs> and that that was like the the earliest documented BDSM like uh, sexual nice. reference in history, um, and then we have. Have you ever heard of the Tomb of Whipping? No, I've never heard that. Do you know what this is? I, oh, I'm surprised. I thought you would know about this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not like, I, I know a lot about BDSM. I'm not like the walking encyclopedia. <laughs> well, you're going to learn something tonight, Scott. All right. <laughs> so uh, the Tomb of Whipping, this was discovered in Italy and they date it to about 490 BC, but it wasn't really discovered until 1960. And it was named for a fresco within the tomb of two men whipping a woman in an erotic way. And it's be it's believed that this room was used specifically for whipping. I would imagine back then though is was it for eroticism or more for torture? Um it seemed like the woman was enjoying herself. There were actually like a there were a couple of frescoes on the walls of that tomb. So it was named for the one where the woman was being whipped. Gotcha. But there was another one on a different wall wherein there was a woman with her hands tied behind her back and there was like a man holding her from behind and it looks like she's giving fellatio to a different man in front of her. But because of like the aging and some destruction of the fresco, like her head and the area where the man's penis is are kind of like blotted out. All right. So but we can pretty much assume, assume what, what was she was on. doing. Next, we have the Kama Sutra, which many people have heard of. Uh, yeah. It's not it's not just a picture book. <laughs> it's, <laughs> It's actually this uh, kind of spiritual manual for achieving happiness, which is mostly related to sex. Yeah. Uh, and within the Kama Sutra, there are sections that tell about sexual biting, scratching, and there are four types of slapping. <laughs> but it does give a warning that these activities are only to be done with those that find it joyful. That was the quote. They find it joyful. Joyful. 
which is incredibly progressive for such an old book. Yeah. <laughs> for them to be like, make sure your partner enjoys you doing this. Especially the Kama Sutra, which is like, I mean, I don't know. At this point, it's almost like a comedy book. <laughs> it's like it's like one like it's like uh, it's like the gateway of like like sex and porn. Like here you go, here's like the first thing you find. It's like pretty obtainable. <laughs> yeah, but my problem with the Kama Sutra is that most of the positions within it involve like. A history of acrobatics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like upside down. It's like, did anyone actually do this, or is this the artist being like, let's let's try this fucking thing. Let's see if they can pull this one off. Huh? <laughs> I, well, I mean, they must have done a lot of yoga back then. I don't know. They were very flexible. <laughs> So what's next in your history lesson? So next in the history lesson was actually in the 1500s in Japan. Oh. Have you heard of hojo jitsu i have not yeah yeah you probably know how it shaped into like the modern practice that they use yeah uh hojo jitsu is a martial art which consisted of restraining people with rope so criminals were captured and restrained by samurai who used rope to bind them in these secret knots to prevent escape <laughs> like a s- like sexy boy scouts. Um, <laughs> so part of this martial art form, emphasis on the art, was that not only that they had to tie these ropes to keep them restrained, they also had to do it in an artful and aesthetically pleasing way. Uh, you know, usually the criminals were, uh, once they were bound, they were publicly humiliated while bound. <laughs> so that that has a very BDSM theme. Right. And um while it is no longer used for law enforcement because you know today we have handcuffs, it led to the historically more recent practice of shibari, which a lot more people have heard of, yeah. which is the Japanese art of like tying ropes to restrain a person in a sexual way. And that's where you see like the Japanese silk rope or the Japanese love rope or whatever in terms. It's usually a very, very soft, sometimes it isn't even nylon, but it's a very, very, very soft nylon uh, rope. Yep. And I am fucking terrible when it comes to ropes and knots and shit like that. So, like, any type of rope play is usually just out the window with me because I am just fucking awful at it. (laughs) (laughs) I can can picture you getting really frustrated. (laughs) Yeah, it's not even, like, something where it's, like, I've had people, like, like, oh, we want to use ropes. I'm like, no. (laughs) Like... No, it's going to look like shit, or you're going to get out, or I'm going to hurt you. So, uh, no, we're not using ropes. We're going to use cuffs. I've got these cuffs that require a buckle that I do on my belt every day, so I'm pretty well-versed Yeah, it's like, this is going to be easy. Like, ropes? No, I I, I do not trust myself around ropes. Uh, Normally, because I just think it would be way too easy to get out of a knot that I tie. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> probably, probably. And, and i love like some of the shibari stuff because it's like 
really elegant, like really like, and there's like a lot of it's like really tasteful, and especially in um, there's a lot of it's like more art based, but it's like wow, it's really fucking cool, and I'm sure that took like an hour or two to set up. And that's the other thing too. If you're doing like rope yeah. play, like if you're the submissive, like you have to have a lot of patience because I mean that's some of that stuff doesn't take just doesn't just happen with a click of fingers. Like it's there is some setup involved. So if you want more of a scene where you feel like you're actually being restricted and you know being forced to do something, I use forced in quotation marks. Um, <laughs> rope play may not be the best, uh, you know, fastest answer that, to that either. Yeah, I. I can't do ropes either. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot. I'm an instant gratification kind of person. Yeah, me too. I'm just like, okay, this is what we're doing. This is like, and I I know me, I'd get really frustrated and then like it it would be done. It'd just be like, fuck it. What's, yeah. (laughs) I would just tie a bow. You know, like yeah. a shoelace bow. That's pretty much how talented I am with ropes. Next, historically, uh, we're going to talk about the Marquis de Sade. I was waiting for him to pop up. Which, uh, yeah, well, that's the, the historical person yeah. that most people associate with BDSM. Like the like great, 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 great grandfather of BDSM. He was a French philosopher, um, and let me tell you, he is no hero. <laughs> <laughs> um, he is—he was a libertine. Uh, he was a poet. He was a writer. Most of his works have been destroyed. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> even at the like, and that like, and even at the time when he was writing them, like he was handing them out, and like they were like buying them just to destroy them. <laughs> Yeah, so he actually killed several of the women that he <laughs> he, <laughs> that he was engaged in these acts with. So I'm not exonerating for him for the terrible no, things that he I'm, did. I th- I think like literally he was a complete like sociopath, like you know like serial killer tendency sociopath, and it just and he's been romanticized a lot, and I don't think he should be. <laughs> yeah, no. However. He is responsible for changing the public's perception of BDSM and erotic materials. So in the late 1700s, he published a couple of books, 120 Days of Sodom and Justine. And his work was very graphic and hardcore. It contained beatings and forced orgasms, humiliation, group sex, bondage, cutting, blasphemy. Oh, like the Catholic Church fucking hated this yeah. guy. And and the feeling was mutual. <laughs> so he had a ton of blasphemy in his work. Oh, you also missed incest and pedophilia. <laughs> yeah. So uh, naturally, this guy was imprisoned and spent most of his life in an insane asylum after <laughs> after his works um, rightfully so but uh we remember him because he was an author and sadism is actually named after him the marquis right. de Sade. and if you're asking yourself like but janet <laughs> what about masochism well i'm so glad you asked Be- <laughs> because there was there was yet a second author, Leopold von Sachermosich. I probably butchered that. Um, <laughs> I'm sure you did. He was an Austrian author from um, the 1800s, and he wrote a very popular work called Venus in Furs, which was um, 
a dominant woman and a submissive man. Um, it was all about submission. So the Masoch is where masochism comes from, and Sod is where Satanism comes from. Makes sense. Uh, which, that brings us up to semi-modern times, uh, the 1940s and 50s. So there was this very popular underground illegal magazine called Bazaar. And most people know about it for their most famous model, Betty Page. Uh, and she was portrayed as both a dominatrix and a submissive. Uh, which, the proper term for that is switch. Yes. So there's like dominant, submissive, and then there's switch, meaning you can do either. I'm just going to go on a limb and just guess you're more of a switch. <laughs> yes. Not yeah. You and I really talked about much, but I'm just going to go on a limb and just, just take that guess right away. <laughs> You came out on the right limb. Also, you know my husband. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you had you had a very educated guess. Yeah, that's, that's true. <laughs> uh, but anyways, um, so this was 1940s and 50s. That was around the same time uh, of the gay leather movement. Which was kind of like a PR for homosexuality. Because previously gay men were like seen as weak and effeminate, but now they were being shown as like tough, strong biker dudes. And then they associated like the whole leather daddy aspect. And they were shown in these underground illegal magazines as well. But, um,. Yeah, that was, like, all illegal for a while, and then we had some legislation, like, no, people can own their own weird porn, it's yeah. fine. You all, you, and and you that brings us to today. Well, you skipped over a really, really big part of uh, BDSM history, though, is actually Story of O. The Story of O. I've heard vaguely of this, but tell me. Tell, you, you only what, know tell vaguely our you only know vaguely? Um, that shocks me. I, I was surprised. I figured you have read the book. Uh, Story of O. I have not read the book, but I like. Yeah, I've heard of it. When when was it published? Story of O came out. I want to get my story of. Uh, let's see, Story of O. Is that o, like the seventies? Nineteen fifty-four, French. Oh, that was really early. But the movie came out in the seventies. So uh, Story okay. of O um, is like. Ah, this is such a really bad comparison. It is like the original um, Fifty Shades of Grey. Now, to me, what Fifty Shades of Grey did to BDSM is what Twilight did to fucking vampires. Like Fifty Shades of Grey is like the, the most abominable thing to ever come out, and like it really, to me, it really hurt BDSM. It brought some things to the limelight and made it popular, but at the same time, it's like there's a really, really bad ideas in, in um, Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> Like, don't use zip ties ever. Like, the, yeah, like, but um, Story of O came out in 1954, and it's from the point of view of a woman who is a um, submissive to a very strong, like, um, male. And uh, he's a part of a, like, a secret society, and she's regularly stripped, blindfolded, chained, and whipped. Her anus is widened, increasingly large butt plugs. Her labium is pierced. Her buttocks, her buttocks is branded. She's given a very special dress, a very special um, necklace, which is kind of where the whole coloring thing comes from. It's actually from Story of O. 
So uh, there's, uh, and then let's see, I'm actually, I pulled up the Wikipedia page because it's been a long time since I read it. At the climax, O is presented as a sexual slave, nude, but I'll like mask and leash attached to her piercing before a large party of guests who treat her solely as an object. Afterwards, she is shared by Sir, Sir Stephen and an associate who's referred to only as the commander. But, um, depending on which way you look at it, she's either like really enjoying it or she's like kind of got a like, um, Stockholm syndrome, (laughs) (laughs) but it really brought like BDSM to the fourth, like forefront. And then they made a movie of it in the seventies. And that's where like, there was a big, that's kind of what kind of brought like the revival of like, it's kind of this big thing in the seventies with BDSM was kind of the the film story of O as it came like this, like hush hush thing. It was like, Oh my God, you have to see this or whatever. So there, there's kind of a story of O, which is kind of also, um, story of O is kind of like the grandmother to like secretary, like without, without story of O, you you probably would never have had secretary. You know, I've never seen that, and I love really? James Spader. I love yeah. James Spader, <laughs> so I don't know how I've never seen that movie. That movie, it's on my, it's on my list of what movies that I want to watch. Like, I just have never come. I would contact. love to watch that with you, actually. But um, okay, James Spader's a weird fucking guy. <laughs> He's just a weird. That's why I like him. <laughs> um, that movie, yeah, it's like. People have said it's like the perfect BDSM movie. I don't know. It's it's pretty. There's some parts that are pretty far out there, but um, but she's like happy. Like you no, know, like she she's like happy with this crazy fucked up relationship that they have. So you know, it's it's Maggie Gyllenhaal. Yeah, isn't it? yes, it's Maggie Gyllenhaal. Yeah. And throughout most of the movie, she is either tied up or has a stretcher bar, a gag in her mouth, almost through like so the entire movie. She's like in bondage. So <laughs> yes, I remember seeing uh, commercials for that on the Oxygen Network which is another channel for women, much like Lifetime, except a little less terrible. Um, you know, like Lifetime is like the network for women where the most horrible things happen to women. I, <laughs> I remember when um, when Fifty Shades first started getting popular and everyone was talking about Fifty Shades, like you know, the book or the movie. And I was like, have you seen The Secretary? I'm like, what's that? I'm like, watch that. I was like, fuck Fifty Shades of Grey. Watch The Secretary. That's a much better representation of this. Fifty Shades of Grey, like Christian, whatever his name is, Christian Grey. Like, Grey. Yeah, okay, that's where the name comes up. He's a fucking psychopath. Like, he's a like total fucking like loon. And like, there's shit that happens in that book that should never happen in any shape, way, or form in the bedroom. But whatever. On top of that, it's well, it's terribly, terribly written. <laughs> uh well i will say this i am a reader of smut and most of it is terrible uh (laughs) so comparative (laughs) comparatively it's not it's not terrible it it's not great but but it's not terrible it is what it is which is fantasy fodder pretty much like porn you know like if you if you tune in to watch a 
let's say, femdom porn clip, you're not going to see them having a conversation beforehand with what they're comfortable with. Like, they cut all that shit out and they just show you. you. If you enjoy um, kink.com. Yeah, kink.com's a little different. Kink.com. They're, like, legit. They'll show, like, them talking about the scene and they'll talk about the scene afterwards. Like, what did you like? What did you not like? Like, what did you gain from this experience? Or what did you find new? Or what did you find fun? Or what did you hate? What did you like? Like, what got you off the most? Like, it's hilarious. <laughs> yes. Kink, kink.com, from what I've heard, is a great company to work for. Um, and they're really good for the kink community. I'm talking yeah. about, like, your average, like, porn hub. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, clip that you're going to masturbate to. Uh, <laughs> most people don't see, like, what goes on beforehand. I, just, I mean, that extends to a lot of right. porn. You know, like, if you're going to watch, like, an anal scene, you don't see, like, the woman on all fours getting stretched before the scene. Uh, it's, it's getting an anima. Douche, anal douching, yeah. Yeah, animal, like, anima. You don't, you don't see, like, them, like, you know, using or using toys or tools to widen the anus. So yeah, you, so, like, it... As far as Fifty Shades of Grey goes, it is what it is. It's entertainment, but it's not. It shouldn't be used as like education or like this is what well, I'm gonna do tonight. That that was my problem <laughs> with it was because it introduced so many people to BDSM, and, but so many people had like a like the wrong idea of it, and that's what that's what hurt like a lot of people in the BDSM community was like, no, this is like really really bad information, and if this is like your introduction to it. It'd be like you know, knowing anything about vampires and picking up Twilight and be like, "Oh, cool! This is everything that there is about vampires. This is like the history of vampires right here." And it's like all backwards compared to like the actual like vampire lore. So <laughs> I was gonna be like, um, Scott, what scientific information of vampires do there's you? Not, have? There's not. There's not vampires. But I'm saying because like, they're mythical creatures, right? But as far as like, um. You know, okay, Twilight's a really bad example of that, though. So it's like watching a Michael Bay movie and being like, oh, that's what it takes to be a Marine. (laughs) It's like like watching Transformers and be like, I want to do like, that's what it takes to be a Marine. I want to do that. Like. I watched Chris Angel on television and I'm going to freeze myself in a block. You know, like, no, no. You can watch it for entertainment. Don't do what they're doing. Oh, here's a better representation. Um, Fifty Shades of Grey is as accurate to BDSM as Star Wars is to actual science. (laughs) You just pissed off all of our Star Wars. (laughs) Hey, I'm a a Star Wars fanatic, but I mean, it's still not like scientifically accurate <laughs> and that's fucking fine because it's fantasy you know sci-fi science fiction but anyway. all right well let's get the fuck away from star wars right now <laughs> <laughs> and let's move on to our next topic which is the various aspects of bdsm um <laughs> So we touched a little bit on contracts, well, a little bit, like about consenting, well, sitting down and we, having a discussion. We didn't go into like actual contracts because <laughs> those do exist, but uh, they do, and it, it doesn't need to be like a written contract, though some people prefer those. 
Um, but the reason I see them as helpful is that you can actually like detail out what you expect right? and have someone agree to that or not agree. Usually like the, the written contracts is more so for someone who is going to a professional. Like if you're going to a professional dom or if you're, you know, there's actually professional subs too. So this way you actually have like a written agreement. So if you ever go across that line, guess what? You can land in court. <laughs> <laughs> so, because lawsuit because of uh because like going and like paying someone to like whip you is legal but having sex and paying someone to have sex with you is illegal so uh, that's kind of interesting unless you have a camera and then it's pornography yes <laughs> but <laughs> but um uh you know 50 shades of gray <laughs> <laughs> which we were just discussing uh, one one of the positive aspects of the book is there actually was a contract that he made her sign, but it wasn't just like he gave her a contract and it was like a yes or no sign. There were like revisions of the contract where she would be like, I'm not okay with this. Right. There was a part that was like, you can only eat the foods that I tell you to eat. And she's like, fuck no, yeah. not doing that. <laughs> well, the other thing about contracts too, it's not a legally binding contract. It's more just... It's again. It's part. It's part of the scene almost. It's like a relationship yeah. contract, pretty much. But um, this is like usually use contracts for people you don't really know. So this is where like the whole professionalism comes in. So it's like you're going to like a professional. It's like, hey, this is stuff that I'm into. This is stuff I don't want to do. This is like my limits. This is what I'm okay with. So it's almost like a checklist that they can like refer back to. Like, okay, this person's into this, but they don't like this. So I'm like a menu, in a way. But in a Let's say you're. Let's say it's like in a private setting. You're not going to. You're not paying someone, or you're not going to a professional, and you're just doing this like because you're like kink based. Uh, then you can add all kinds of crazy shit, and then like <laughs> you can, and then they can agree or disagree to follow it because it's like this. The entire thing is part of the the scene, and that's where like twenty four seven lifestyle comes in. Oh, that's a whole different thing. Yeah, I mean that's all. Twenty four seven. Twenty four. I know some people who are. Yeah. In, I know some people who are in the twenty four seven. It's fucking crazy. I'm like, I couldn't do it. I, so for for our listeners who have no idea what the fuck we're talking about <laughs> right now, what is uh, the twenty four seven? So twenty four seven is where. That's literally what it is. Twenty four seven, three hundred sixty five days a year, you live that that relationship. You know, it's it's usually you know, you're gonna be you're gonna be a submissive. It's like, guess what? When you go out to dinner, maybe that's your thing. You want your dominant to have to order for you because you're not allowed to speak to people that they don't deem that you're not allowed to talk to. Or they're going to select what you eat because they have to They have to tell you what you're going to eat. I mean... Yeah. A little again, too intense for most people. Yes. This is, this is not something... This is not something taken lightly. This is not something that everybody does. This is something that... I mean, if the, it, again, it's a fetish. It's a kink. If you're into it, you're into it, you know? And it's like you... Maybe because it's, most people who are submissive, it's usually because they have so much shit in their real life they have to take care of. They want someone to just fucking take care of them, or for once, they want someone to tell them to shut up and just do what you know, just not have to worry about it. So yeah. that's why a lot of submissive submissives are either 
people and powerful physicians, or there's a lot of women who do it because they're mothers and all they do all fucking day is tell everybody in their family what they're doing, what's going on. They're, they have control over everything. So in the bedroom, they're just like, I want to fucking let go. I don't want to think about shit. Yeah. I don't want to worry about shit. So that's another aspect of BDSM that I wanted to talk about was the power play where the roles are often very different from who your everyday person is. Your everyday life can be very different from your sexual life. Yeah, especially for the yeah. sadism and masochism. And again, with the, like, there's, you know, masochism can just be as simple as like a light spank on the bottom, you know, on your ass, just lightly, lightly spanking. Or it can be something as fucking crazy as like taking a knife and actually, you know, bleeding. <laughs> Yes, some, some cu- cutting that, is know? a sect of so them. So it's like, I mean, or branding or whatever else. So, I mean, it's a very, very big spectrum. And the same thing with um, sadism, too. You know, just because someone's a sadist or they, they you know, that's what they're classified as, doesn't necessarily mean they're like, oh, I'm going to, f- I want to really fucking really hurt this person or I really want to, like, cause a lot of pain and inflict pain. It's like, it can just be something as simple as, you know, using clothespins <laughs> on the nipples. Like, the sadist yeah. is the person who brings the pain, the masochist is the one who receives the pain. And those yeah. roles can be switched around, too. So, Yes, that is true. Uh, but a common theme is the, the whole power play dynamic, which... I feel like it can be really therapeutic for people who <laughs> who need yeah. to work through their issues in a very unconventional way. Um, I've known people who used uh, BDSM to like do things like quit smoking. So if like you know like they're smoking, like, you know, they tell like their partner or dominant whatever, like, "Hey, I want to quit smoking." So if I tell you I smoked a cigarette, I want you to punish me. <laughs> And then sometimes if they're like kinky or like really in the mood, they'll smoke a cigarette despite the person just so they know they will get punished. Yes. Uh, I would also like to bring up another aspect of BDSM, which is the risk versus reward system. So, I mean, there are doms out there that just dole out punishments. Yeah. I don't, I don't feel like that's a great way to do it. I think there needs to be like a risk versus reward system. Because if, if you're only punishing your submissive, they're going to get really right. tired of chasing nothing. You need to yeah. like give them a reward for good behavior so that they know they'll get some sort of reward. I, I guess we should also put a little bit of a caveat in there that, that like... Just because you're in a BDSM, like a BDSM scene, doesn't sometimes does not revolve sex at all. Uh, that is true. Yes, so there can be BDSM without like sexual intercourse at, at all. all. Like you can do it with your clothes on. You, you know, it could just be like like the punishment aspect of it, or like the dominant versus the submissive. Sometimes it's just like there's a woman I think in New York. She gets paid to like be little men and they clean her apartment. <laughs> And she makes a living off that. Like she's a dominant, and that's that's how she makes her living. She has men come and clean her apartment. And she belittles them. She she is living the life. 
and there's no sex like they're not like there's there's it's completely <laughs> non-sexual relationship but she's making money because these guys want you know want to be told by a woman like wh- like what the fuck they're doing so ladies take note <laughs> <laughs> this can be you <laughs> um oh something i probably should have mentioned earlier a note i had um like when you're discussing this initially you definitely need to make sure that you are giving your partner a judgment-free zone wherein like you make them feel comfortable in that whatever they tell you like they're into or whatever kink they may like that you're not going to judge them for that or go like oh no you're weird that's fucked up why would you do that (laughs) like Um, you really just need to be have an open mind when you have these conversations oh yeah another note that i had is that uh you you actually common misconception you don't need any props at all for BDSM, no, like it can be a totally mental experience, wherein, like, you don't need restraints. You can just tell your sub, like, I want you to put your hands face palm up. You can't touch anything, and you can't, <laughs> you can't do this unless I say. Um, <laughs> I, I'm having, it's like it's like I'm, a I'm, sexy Simon says. I'm having I'm, <laughs> I'm having flashbacks right now. <laughs> Are you having flashbacks? Please tell us what your flashback is. I'd like to hear this. So, um, I made my partner um, naked on their knees, and I took a piece of tin foil because that was like the only thing I had around me. I don't know why I couldn't have paper, but one with tin foil, and I drew a circle, and I had them hold it with their nose for five minutes. I had them hold it against the <laughs> wall for five minutes, naked, with their hands behind. Five their minutes back. is a long it time. Is. And like, you don't I, think that it is. No, and I remember like I just like sat on my bed and like played on my phone. <laughs> like I wasn't even doing these things. I was like, I was like just browsing like I don't fucking know, like Facebook or whatever. Like while they're while they're doing this. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, they had no they had no restraints. You know, it wasn't like oh, you know, like hey, I'm gonna tie you up or anything. There was nothing. I mean, literally, all all I had was a sharpie, and for whatever reason, it was a piece of tinfoil. Yeah, so you don't need to, like, shell out thousands of dollars on all the various kink accoutrements. You don't need any money (laughs) to invest in this. You can do it without any props at all. um, I've known people who were being punished so they couldn't have sweets for a week. Yeah, like weird, That would be a terrible punishment for me. So, like, we talked about, like, there's all these different aspects of BDSM. So this is this would be more of a dominant submissive submissive aspect of it. Yes. Like uh. taking things away. Now it's not abuse. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna dive into that real fast. Uh, the a, other person is consenting. Consenting. To this. That's where that whole consent comes in. Because at any point they can be like, "No, oh, fuck you. I'm gonna do this." And you know, it's like I don't. It's like okay, cool. Like if they're like, "I don't want to do this anymore. I'm done." Blah blah blah. It's like okay. Uh, then there's nothing you can do as like the dominant. It's like okay, that's it. You know, that's what I'm yeah. done. You so, have to be willing to stop at any yes. time and that's the whole and that's where the whole power play comes in because the submissive actually has a shit ton of power probably more power than the dominant the yes. dominant is actually yes. just doing common misconception yeah the dominant is more just doing what the submissive even though they may not want it they're getting off on it 
It's like being yeah, some yeah. some guys like being locked away in a cashew change for a fucking year, and then they have anniversary orgasms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so like the, the submissive the, has the power to stop at any time, yeah. whereas like the dominant doesn't necessarily. And where abuse comes in it, is but. all about like the wrong type of control. So it's like you may be forcing someone to do something that they don't want to do, but you're abusing, you know, you're, you're showing your fist or whatever that you're like, Oh, if you don't do this, I'm going to beat the shit out of you. That's not BDSM. That's just abuse. And that's, (laughs) um, you need to get the fuck out of that situation right away. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I listened to an interview recently with, uh, adult film star, Aiden star. Mm -hmm. And she is a common top, uh, dominant. And, she was talking about like BDSM and the rap that it gets and how she likes to do it. And she said like, to be a dominant, you don't have to be rude. Like it can be loving and polite where like, it's like, could you please put this restraint on? (laughs) Like a a very like respectful sort of situation, which is not, Uh, yeah, she's a pretty common. Yeah. She's been in kink.com. But anyway, continue. Yeah. I, I mean, that was pretty much all well, that I was saying is that uh, it like it doesn't have to be sort of like a a rude, degrading sort of thing if that's not what you want. It no. can be like a loving, polite sort of... I don't. I don't want to say militant. What What is the word that I'm looking for? <laughs> um, but it's more. It's more like a respectful sort of right. environment. I I will say this for me when I'm in like in in that scene and I'm being dominant. It is like a fucking switch. Like it, it's like it's like a switch goes off in your head. It's just like the same way when you're being like super submissive and you hit like subspace. Um, there's also dom space as well. Subspace is when like you're totally enveloped into whatever the heck is going on and you like almost like hit meditation. Like you are out of body, out of mind, completely in someplace else and you are just living the, the you're just f- getting fulfillment from all the sensations that's happening to you. And then that's that's subspace. Dom space is kind of the same thing. It's like you zone out and you're just like it's like pinpoint accuracy of everything you want to do. It's kind of crazy. I've, I've hit that before. It's really fucking weird. <laughs> yeah. Like a freedom that yeah. this allows you is that yeah. you can switch off like it, you know, like I'm home from work. I don't want to fucking think about that anymore. Well, that's the whole thing. It's like, so like, you know, when that's why some people like being like bound, gagged, blindfolded and wearing earplugs or headphones they are completely cut off from everything and they just let go (laughs) they have no control of anything and it's like if your entire day is nothing but yelling at people and taking care of shit and you know your nine to five is just grinding you you get to go home and just fucking not worry about a damn thing and everything is being catered to you even though like you're you know yeah that's you can feel bliss from that Let's talk about aftercare. It's important. <laughs> you're okay, you've done everything. You're done. Uh, you know, you're both spent. You're both tired. Yes. You you've uh, had you know what, so, you've so had you a do? rush of endorphins and perhaps an intense scene. Uh, usually, like you can feel drained or dazed. Um, um, you're feeling 
like the the instances of sub drop or dom drop. Yeah, yeah. So which is when you kind of like come out of your haze and you like the the crushing real reality of like real world comes back, and then you have all these like things being told that you're like a low life piece of shit, and you're worthless, or you know you've all these horrible things have just been said to you. Like, what do you do? <laughs> I I feel like that's another kind of misconception is that like aftercare is just for the subs no but it can be for the doms too because uh, they're physically and emotionally exerting themselves within the scene as well so it's right well on top of that too it's 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 for both because like i know for me like personally it's like you know you you say and sometimes you do is like you know by normal standards horrible <laughs> things to us to a person you and really then if care you're not about, a terrible person you like, feel kind of guilty about it <laughs> yeah it's like i can't believe i just said and did all this stuff and it's like hey by the way you know nudge nudge i don't actually feel this way <laughs> towards you you know it's like it's just kind of a reaffirmation for yeah, both parties yeah you know usually for the sub it's like you know with aftercare sometimes it's massages sometimes it's you know, if there's any bruising from impact play, you know, you're putting ice on those things or, you know, you're going downstairs and making them something to eat. You're getting them sweets, like cookies. Drinks. You know, usually, They're usually like, dehydrated. Um, drinks. Yeah. So um, cuddling is involved or sometimes both people, you know, just kind of want their space for a minute and just kind of like, well, just let me chill out and just be who I am. Just let me come back to reality for a second. So everyone's aftercare is different. And that's when like the whole like negotiations come in the very beginning because you want to know like what the person is going to expect. Yeah. Afterwards so that should be too. in the initial conversation before you actually start the scene is discussing like what each other needs in terms of aftercare. Right. You should be sure that like both partners needs are being met. Like it can be physical or emotional or both like physically there's, some of what you were talking about with like the kissing, cuddling, massaging, have some food, drinks, maybe a bubble bath. A bubble bath is always nice. Uh- <laughs> sometimes it's like, here's a beer, here's Netflix, enjoy yourself. Like, you know, sometimes they just need your fucking yeah, space. Yeah, some people like to be so- left alone afterwards. Um, and I, I think like- importantly, like especially if you're new to this or this is the first time you've done that, you need to have emotional aftercare, which is where you actually sit down and have a conversation, like what you enjoyed, what you didn't enjoy, right. and then reassuring your partner that like everything you did is okay and you're not going to judge them. Again, the judgment-free zone sort of thing. If you spent an hour degrading someone and calling them a you know a fucking whore and like a slut and you know they're worthless. Yeah, after you're done, you better be like, hey, by the way, you know, I actually don't feel that way about you. That was just like, you know, that's just me trying to like, you know, hit your pleasure zones because that's what you're into. So because <laughs> some people really like being degraded like that. Yes. And you shouldn't and you shouldn't judge I, them on either side. <laughs> I've had partners share with me stuff. They're like, I've never told anyone this. This is what I'm into. And I'm like, well, that's not something I'm into. But if you're into it, let's fucking, you know, let's dive in. <laughs> I might suck at it, but let's, let's try. Let's, let's see what we can do. Yeah. <laughs> you got to try new things. Like, you don't know yeah. what you're going to like until you actually really experience it. So. And just like with sex, too, like, dude, 
if you laugh during a BDSM scene, that's pretty normal because there's a lot of weird comical shit that can happen during a BDSM scene. Like just the scene in general, while a lot of comical shit can happen. <laughs> so so learn so learn to enjoy it and laugh with it too. Actually, scientifically, laughing with another person brings you closer together. It's like a bonding experience in the mind. I've had a lot of scenes go horribly wrong, and we just laughed at it. We're like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) So let me tell you about a BDSM snafu I had. (laughs) All right. I'll tell you the story of how I ruined my mattress. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) This was a while ago. Uh, So I'd been seeing this guy for a while, and we decided to experience uh, like bondage okay. or experiment with bondage, wherein he like tied me to the bedposts. At least both of my wrists were tied. I know, probably with dollar store scarves. If you haven't listened to our last episode <laughs> on pervertibles, <laughs> we, we give you many tips on cheap items and props to use in the bedroom. But anyway, so he ha- had me tied up. And um, this was, like, after I'd already come, he got up from the bed, and he didn't immediately untie me. So I thought, like, maybe he's ready for more. I <laughs> this is not where the scene ends. Um, but I was pretty thirsty because, you know, all the heavy panting right. and screaming. So I had, like, a can of Dr. Pepper on my bedside table. And I just kind of like motioned towards it and was like, can you, can you get me a drink? (laughs) (laughs) So he takes the can and he's like pouring it into my mouth. But this was like a new can of Dr. Pepper. He did not realize this. (laughs) So like he had like done it to me and I'm like, "Uh uh-huh. And he thought that like that like little verbal cue was now you should start pouring because he didn't realize (laughs) that I already had it in my mouth. So he pours it and um, like it hit my gag reflex or like I knew I was going to choke on it. So I can only imagine what he saw was like a scene from the exorcist where like a geyser of dr pepper just like sprayed out of my mouth oh my god and went all around me and then later on like i went to change my sheets and i could see like the outline of like my head and arms <laughs> surrounded by like <laughs> this big brown snake. <laughs> oh my god, that's terrifying. Yeah, no, no, yeah. The, the, if the scene's over, first thing you fucking do is let the person <laughs> out. Jesus, like before you do anything else, unsight your fucking person. <laughs> Jesus. That was kind of a snap. Yeah, like, I mean, like, he wasn't an asshole about it. He was like, oh, my God. (laughs) 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 What happened? And I was like, I was telling you I was done. (laughs) He's like, I thought you meant start. (laughs) Oh, my God. Jesus. Yeah. That's terrifying. (laughs) So, I mean, I didn't feel like I was going to drown on Dr. Pepper or anything like that. I can spit it out. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I trusted him enough that, uh, you know, 
I believed that him seeing a geyser of Dr. Pepper coming out of my mouth would be a cue to stop. So, <laughs> oh so he God. quickly let me out of the restraints. <laughs> Jesus. Yes, but um, <laughs> I was out there were close to drowning somebody. So, <laughs> have, you, have you ever almost drowned someone with Dr. Pepper? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I've never had anything like that before. Thank God. Every time I look at a can of Dr. Pepper now, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> well, every time I look at a Dr. Pepper, I'm gonna think of you too. I'm like, oh, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I, I think that's an episode. Unless I, I, you want to cover any other topics. No, I think that's it. <laughs> I think we have more than enough here. I, I think when it comes down to like, I think what we're talking about with like BDSM, though. I mean, it's a broad blanket when it comes to uh, like fetishes and kinks like that. So there's probably a like there's a lot that we didn't dive into. We're more so just focusing on like BDSM, like that aspect of it, like the sadomasochism and like the top bottom sub. Some uh, submissive, dominant, like we're more focused on that on this episode. But I mean, there is fucking litany of thousands of kinks. We could do an entire episode about one kink. So <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of sects of BDSM. That's S E C T S, not X E S E X. There's a lot of sects of. BDSM that we didn't really delve into, but this was more of like a blanket episode, more of a introduction to BDSM, if you will. I mean, there's there's a whole category of shit that we could have drawn from a hat and been like, okay, we're gonna talk about there's like just about every every kink we could probably cover in, with an episode. So I mean, this was yeah, just more of a some of, some of them de- deserve their own episodes, so right. we'll go into those at later dates. But, if uh, you have but that's all that we have. And if you have suggestions of things you want to hear us talk about, especially involving kinks or anything that, you can hit us up on Twitter uh, with Libertine Show or use the hashtag Ask the Libertines or send us an email at ask at friskytipsylibertines.com. Uh, you can visit us on the website on, online at friskytipsylibertines.com. We now have a Redbubble where you can buy Frisky Tipsy Libertines merchandise at FTL Podcast. You can Podcast adorn yourself. With you pens. You adorn yourself. With pens, uh, T-shirts, stickers. I think we have a scarf on there. I think there's a skirt. I mean, just about anything you want from Redbubble, they have it. So you can get all kinds of merch from us uh, using ftlpodcast.redbubble.com. We also, uh, if you have any media or books or videos, clips, whatever, toys, uh, you want us to review, just contact us and we'll throw it up on the show. Closing statement, BDSM, it's all about having fun. It's playtime. It's... That's exactly what it is. Yeah. It's playtime. Yep. Yeah. 100%. It's not, it's not all that scary torture stuff that you're afraid of. Maybe. <laughs> uh, maybe you're into that. So. <laughs> and that's okay. This is a judgment free zone here at Frisky Tipsy Liberties. <laughs> so, once again, I'm Scott. And I'm Janet. And you've been listening to the Frisky Tipsy Libertines podcast. 